Week seven, you can tweet away, you can catch up on what you've missed here, all that usual stuff. God's been really patient with them through uh, decade upon decade, century upon century. And now God is saying, because of your behavior that's continually gone unchecked, enough is enough. And we saw last time how even though they were caught up in the midst of all of these things, they couldn't see it. How easy it is to have blind spots. Have you met someone this week who had a blind spot? Good job you haven't got blind spots, isn't it? Imagine how complicated it would be if you also had blind spots. That would cause real struggle in relationships, don't you think? Hello? Have I lost you all already? You off doing something else? This week, this week there's another issue going on with the people that was cutting them off from what God was wanting to do with them. Sour grapes. And uh, you find it there in verse 2. If you've still got your Bible open in front of you. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. It was a popular saying, something that everybody kind of knew, that was carrying with it a cultural belief. If you go to bed with wet hair, you'll... Interesting. If you don't do your coat up, interesting, carrots help you see in the, really? Brussels sprouts help you, I think I've made my point ever so clear. There are sayings that we have that we generally know, that have, even if maybe when we point them out like this, we question them, carry a a, a level of belief, of understanding, of worldview that's associated with them. This was a proverb that had become deeply ingrained in their psyche. It wasn't just something that they were saying, but something over time they'd come to believe deep within them. A a set of assumptions that was so familiar with them that it was just the way they saw things, just the way things were. We are suffering, this proverb says, because of our parents. They kept saying it, they kept believing it. We're only in this mess. We're only in exile. We're only suffering in this way because of what our parents did. And God says, stop. A popular saying that they must stop repeating. Verse 3, as surely as I live, really, really strong language. The sovereign Lord is saying, this is absolutely true. For as long as I have anything to do with this, you must stop saying this. Why is God so emphatic about this particular proverb? Why is God so bothered that children in the playground would sing it one to another because it would just express the way things were? Well, 
Firstly, because words have incredible power. Stop saying that because words create reality. This is really important for us this morning. Words create reality. How did God create the world? He he spoke it into being. Verse 3 of the very first chapter in the Bible, God said, and there was. Verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24, verse 26, all start off with God speaking something out. However you understand those verses, what we are being taught to understand is that there is something very powerful when God speaks. And in the end, God speaks human beings into existence, and he says, I've made human beings in my image. And it's not surprising, therefore, that in a lesser way, that in a lesser way, our words create reality. This is a gorgeous boy, or what? Imagine if every time we saw Sam, we told him that he was ugly. It wouldn't be true, but what would happen? Our words, I guarantee over time, would create a reality for Sam which might not be true, which certainly isn't true in an absolute sense, but they would become very, very true for him. Wouldn't they? They would create a very real reality that over time, as he absorbed those words, would affect his reality, would change the way he thought about his situation, would change the way he, he thinks about himself. He would look in a mirror and he would see not what is truly true, but he would see a reality that words have created. And he would behave differently because of that reality that those words had created. Would you agree with me that words have such power? You'll never be good at that. You're not as good as your brother. You're stupid. You're annoying. You never listen and you always do that. And what will become of you? And you always mess things up. You know, you're useless at that, aren't you? Words, 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 just words, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will absolutely crush me. Most devastating words can be. They create a reality. And and, and never more so when we say those words about ourselves. I'm never going to be successful. No one is ever going to want to marry me. I'll be a rubbish parent. I'll never be able to lead anyone to Christ. Our words create realities that we then go and live by. Words really do have the power of life and death. You with me? 
And they can create such powerful strongholds in our lives that we live in very different ways as a result of them. But words only do that, words only do that if we let them. Ever so important. Words only do that if we let them. Remember this verse. Take every thought, every word, and take hold of it before it takes hold of you. Make it a captive and make what you hear obedient to the truth of Christ. Otherwise, that word will take you captive. Such an important verse. You see, words come to us in different ways. And the trouble, and and one of the reasons that children are so susceptible is they do not have the ability, we have not taught them yet, in order to take every word captive for Christ. And it can be incredibly confusing as a child when someone who is in that position of being God to them, the parents, the teachers, all of that stuff, speak words and there's no filter. But just as devastating sometimes as adults. Thoughts or words come to us in three different ways, don't they? Someone says something to you. That's a word that comes to you. The enemy whispers something in your mind. Ever happened to you? Or you're just wandering along one day and a thought pops into your head. It doesn't matter where the word or the thought comes from, essentially... What absolutely matters is what you do with that word when it reaches you. Do you grab hold of it and make that word obey Christ and what's true? Or do you receive that word and begin to accept it as a true reality, even though it might not be absolutely true, and you will begin to allow it to create a reality in your life which will change you and will make a difference in the way that you live. If you agree with it, you are helping that word create a reality, and if it's a reality that's not in line with Christ then it's a reality that is against him and against his purpose. Think about how that might work. When we make an agreement with something, it can have an incredibly powerful effect on us. People believe they are ugly and useless and can't do much because they have believed lies spoken about them and without taking those thoughts captive and rejecting them because they are not true, they have accepted them and allowed those words to create a reality within their lives. Something more happens when we do that. When we allow a reality to take root in our lives that isn't from Jesus, who are we giving a foothold to in our lives? Who will use that foothold in any way, which way he possibly can? When we agree with something that isn't true, we are aligning ourselves with the enemy 
And Jesus says something gets loosed in the spiritual world. We think all the time about the physical, don't we? What we can see and touch and feel because it's so real to us. The Bible teaches there is another world that we can't see, but in so many ways is more real than the one that we can touch, see and feel through our physical uh, bodies. And when we begin to allow a reality to take root in our lives that's not of Christ and his kingdom, we lose something in the spiritual world. And Jesus talked about that when he said, what you bind on earth, what you reject does affects the spiritual world what you loose what you accept on earth affects what happens in the spiritual world words are so so powerful and if you allow them to take root in your life you will give the enemy a foothold if that word is untrue it will create a reality for you that isn't true but will always become ever increasingly true for you And that's why the most beautiful person in the world can look in a mirror and say, I'm ugly. That's why the most gifted people on the planet can say, I feel useless inside. Because there is a reality that's not true that's been created for them. It's why it's so serious. And it happens ever so subtly. To be honest, in in kind of prayer ministry and pastoral, we see this all the time. That people unwittingly, unknowingly, have made agreements in their hearts about things that just aren't true. And it's allowed a false reality to develop. And there are countless stories I could give, but I don't... I haven't sought any permission, so I'm not going to give anybody's uh, story away this morning, even in code. But but I'm going to just paint a story um, that's in a... A book that you've heard me recommend so many times, Walking with God by John Eldridge, and it just sums it up brilliantly, and we see this all the time. A young mum with a kid that's got colic, who remembers that? You know, and you don't sleep for about a hundred years. Your baby just cries all night. One night, mum, absolutely exhausted, flat out, middle of the night, baby screaming her head off, crying out to God, and the enemy whispers into her mind, God has abandoned you, you know. And in that moment, deep in her heart, she looks around and she goes, yeah, actually, you know, you're right. God's abandoned me. And in that moment, a curtain falls between God and that person. And the reason that story is now being told is that 30, 20, 30 years later, this particular woman was in a meeting and everyone was talking about how they keep hearing God speak. And in the end, she couldn't contain herself. Say, tell me about this. I never, ever hear God speak. And they said, well, let's pray as to why maybe you never hear God speak. Holy Spirit, help us see why she never hears God speak. Holy Spirit takes her right back to that moment that night. And the next morning, she'd forgotten all about it. Can you understand how that would work? You wake up in the morning, and it's all the days. But deep in her heart, she's made an agreement that says, do you know, God has abandoned me. And it began to create a reality that would, over time, change everything for her. And I hear so many common agreements that people make that create false realities in their lives. I always get down at this time of year. I always get down at this time of year. What's that? That's an agreement about something. 
What's the next thing that's likely to happen if that's what's going on in your heart? I get every virus that comes along. I'm always ill. I can't make time to live a missional life. That was sneaky getting that one in, wasn't it? If that's what you agree with, what's the reality that you are creating? What are you loosing in your life when you agree that you have no time for a missional life? What foothold are you giving the enemy in the face of a Christ who said, be my witnesses to the ends of the earth? What strongholds are you building? And then the trouble is, as these strongholds build, we begin to live out of the false reality that is not true, but it's, it's become the truth for us. If you believe it, you'll behave in line with it. If you believe the reality, you will reinforce and make it the reality. I never lead anyone to Christ. What will happen next? Nothing. You'll never lead anyone to Christ. Because you've allowed a reality to take root that is not true, but words have incredible power. If you believe that no one would want to marry you, then that will affect the way you behave, it will affect the way you relate, and will in countless ways cause you to live out a reality. And guess what? We have to be really, really careful about what we say, which includes what we think, even especially what we say and think in our hearts. Because words create reality. So God says, hey, stop that, will you? Just stop it. Just stop it. Stop it because words have power. Secondly, stop it because it's not true. Stop saying that because it's not the truth. We're going to the proverb, the parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Stop saying it because you're creating a reality that isn't true. And stop saying it because it actually isn't true. Don't say it, verse 3, because verse 4... That's not how it works. The parents, says verse 4, as well as the child, both stand equal before God. And the rest of the chapter is trying to explain that to us. In other words, both parent and child have a fresh opportunity with God. One person, listen very carefully, does not need to live under the consequence or circumstances that another person has created. Moderately exciting, I think, for some of us. Moderately. Listen to what they were saying. Our teeth are on edge. We're in this mess. We face these circumstances because of what our parents did and there's nothing we can do about it. These words are amazingly relevant and contemporary to us. 
with so many people that live like that. These are my circumstances. This is the way I am. I just have to accept it. I am like this because of what my parents did. I'm in this mess because of my family or because of my background or my upbringing or my experiences. And my teeth are now on edge and I have every right for my teeth to be on edge. And there's nothing that can happen that can change it. It is the way things are. And God says, as surely as I live, for as long as I have anything to do with it, if you'll let me say anything into this situation, I'm saying to you, stop. Because that's not true. You do not have to live in the reality that your parents, your circumstances, your experience have created for you. You see, I'm surprised that we're not on our feet pumping the air just now. I'm not surprised, but we should be. Because every single day, to one degree or another, we feel trapped by those things. And we allow those things to create a reality for us that in the end, absolutely, before a sovereign God, is not the truth. And the whole of chapter, um, this chapter is a big example. Verse 5 down to verse 9. Suppose there's a righteous man. Well, what's going to happen to him? He's going to live. Verse 9. But then what if the, his son... The son of a righteous man chooses a different way. Verse 10, he chooses the way of death. Well, what will happen to him? Well, if he chooses the way of death, death will be his experience. But then what if the man who chose the way of death, he also had a son, and that son, instead of choosing the way of death, chose the way of life? What will happen to him? Verse 13, well, actually, of course, verse 17, he's going to live. It's not true, God says. That because your parents have eaten sour grapes, that because your circumstances and situation have been messed up by others, that you're trapped by it and that your teeth will always be on edge. Every generation, every person stands directly before God. Every generation, every person can choose to live and be free before the sovereign God. So stop saying that because you can be free. (laughs) Honestly, we're rocking the place. And actually in your heart, some of you are going, you don't understand. Honestly, now some of you in your hearts are going, you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know what I've listened to. You don't know what I've put up with. It's easy for you to say you can be free. You've got no idea what my situation is. Let let me be really clear. It doesn't doesn't matter a flying ointment what I think or what I say. Here in Ezekiel, the sovereign Lord, the one who is outside this whole thing, the one who created you and knows you inside out, the one who knows the beginning from the end, the one who holds this whole thing just by the power of his word, he says you can be free. He says you can be free. The children's teeth do not have to be on edge, even if the parents have eaten sour grapes. How many people have teeth on edge because someone else has eaten sour grapes? Someone else is wounded with words. Someone else is abused with actions. And we live every day in the reality of it. Our teeth are on edge and we're trapped. I hate my father for what he did to me. And you're trapped. 
If only my mother had said that, she loved me. And you're trapped. If only someone had believed in me. All of these words have created a reality that, that, that now feels so true to you that you're trapped by it. If only they had given me a chance. If only my friends hadn't been so cruel. If only I wasn't bullied. And all these things screw us up and trap us and our teeth are on edge. But Ezekiel comes 3,000 years ago and says, because the Lord is sovereign, you can be free. You can be free. Not because of anything that we might offer, but because he is sovereign and able to do it. Free whatever people have said. You can be free whatever people have done. You can be free. How? How? Just two things. Just two things. The first is there. Repent and live. Repent. We think about repentance as being a change in behavior. But actually the word repentance is is a change in your thinking that leads to a change in your behavior. That's how I feel. Oh, dear me. It's hard work in here this morning, isn't it? You notice that? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm feeling really sorry for Simon because it's quite hard work this morning. Can you imagine for a moment that what I'm saying is true? I mean, man, what a difference if we got hold of this. What a, what, oh, what a difference if we got hold of this. You can be, you can be free. Uh, and I don't care what it is, and I've seen enough. I've been around the block a few times now. Uh, you, can, you can be, honest, you can be free. And it begins with repentance. And we think about repentance as trying harder. I've got to try really hard to change my behavior. That's not what repentance is all about. Repentance is about changing your thinking. I'm going to change the way I think. Because actually when I begin to change the way that I think, it alters totally the way that I behave. Isn't that true? When you think differently, you live differently. And the trouble with Christians, a lot of them, and the reason they're so miserable, have you noticed that? Christians can be really miserable sometimes. It's because they're trying to behave in a way that they're not thinking. And it's killing them on the inside. They're trying to be nice when they feel angry and bitter on the inside. That's really hard work, isn't it? Yes. And that's the reason the Christians get so stressed out, because they're trying to be something that on the inside they're not yet. Because we've thought about repentance as I must try harder, I must change my attitude, I must change my ways. And, and to be honest, you can't. You, if it was that easy, you'd do it, wouldn't you? But we can't. It has to start with our thinking. Repent, change your thinking, and live. Which is why when Paul wrote about the transformation that God brings, uh, don't conform any longer to your old way. Don't get stuck in these old realities. Don't buy into these old proverbs that just aren't true. Be transformed, firstly, by the renewing of your mind. Change the way that you think by not accepting the mantra that you are trapped by the way things are. Change the way you think by no longer agreeing with words that have created for you a false reality. I have always thought I'm ugly or stupid. Well, it's time today to change, to stop thinking like that. It's time to change the way you think. 
How insulting to God who loves you and made you to say that I'm ugly and stupid. It's time to change the way you think. I'm useless. God says you are part of my plan and my purpose. How insulting for you to say I'm useless when God says I have a plan and a purpose for you. I'm not loved. How offensive to a God who got nailed to a cross just for you. We have to change the way we think. My life will never amount to much. Who says? God says something very different to that. That I can't lead anyone to Christ. Who says? Jesus says, you will go and make disciples. Are you telling me that he didn't understand how hard that would be? We have to change the way we think. I don't believe that I can have a missional vision that sees a new missional family start. I, I don't believe that, that, I, that, that, I, that I can feel different to the way that I feel now. I, I don't believe that this pain will ever go away. I don't, I don't believe that, that God will ever use me like he uses others. I, I don't believe that I can be free. Can you understand that unless you begin to change the way you think, nothing will ever change. But if we change the way we think, it has incredible creative power by the Holy Spirit to begin a journey of transformation. As we think differently, we will behave differently. But notice what I've already said. It is too hard to behave differently, even if your thinking begins to get straightened out. If it was easy to live this Jesus life, we'd all be skipping our way into heaven. Manifestly, it's not. If it was easy to win a world for Christ, the world would already be won. Manifestly, the world is not. It's not just about thinking differently. You do need to do that. But secondly, and that's what's so brilliant about this book of Ezekiel, because it reminds us what's on offer. You need to repent and change your thinking, but you also need to receive a new heart. Because your heart is crushed and broken and wounded and hurt and damaged and and failing and full of disappointment and regret. Who needs a new heart? It's just me then. You can feel really lonely in a crowd, can't you? Who needs a new heart? Me. Yay, oh man. And me, you and me, bro. You and me need a new heart. And so through this book of Ezekiel, it keeps lifting the, 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 the view from the, all the stuff that's going right on and says, this is the goal, guys, that the Spirit of God will give you a new heart. I'll give them an undivided, a complete, a whole, a restored heart, and I'll put a new spirit within them. I'll remove from them a heart of stone. How many of us in some areas of our lives have got a mega hard heart? Because of a false reality that words have created and actions that go with them. Heart of stone. And you can give that up today for a heart of flesh. And it's the most amazing thing when people do that. And all around this community, people are finding that they can give away a heart of stone. And they can find a heart of flesh and know deep in their hearts things they've never known, like how much God loves them, how much other people love them, how beautiful and wonderful they are in God's eyes, how ugly their sin is, but God's sorting that out. It's a beautiful thing. But it's got to begin with a change of thinking. Change of thinking.
a new, a new heart. And these verses just keep going and, and stuff, and, and you can find them where, uh, uh, through, through Ezekiel, all this sentiment, another one towards the end of Ezekiel, that God still makes this offer. And this is a message, right, for anyone who feels trapped, for anyone who wants to break free today. If you are trapped by the things people have said and done to you, Ezekiel comes along and says, you know that proverb, it stinks because it's not true. And the Spirit of God invites you this morning to stand with him, the God of the universe, and say, hey, that truth stinks because it's not actually true. And I've allowed it to be true in my life. And I'm saying today, no more. For all those who are trapped by the things that you've said to yourself, I'll never be good at that. I always get this. I'll never lead anyone to Christ. I can't do what they do. And you've created it. And God says, no, 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 stop. It's time to think differently and to receive a new heart. And so I'm inviting you this morning to think about a bid for freedom. I'm inviting you to think this morning about what it might mean to make a break for it. I'm inviting you this morning to smell what freedom might smell like, to taste it, to yearn for it, to long for it, and go, hey, I'm stuffed, I'm going for that. You see, there's a lie that you've believed in, and it's become a reality for you. There's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you have unwittingly lived out in your life. I'll never be able to, this always happens, all that kind of stuff. Your teeth are on edge, because there have been sour grapes. And Ezekiel says, no, no more, come on, no more. It doesn't have to be like this. No, no, no. A brand new start. Hey, we can be free from our parents. How cool is that? And just in case you meet my parents, I love them to death. And they were good to me. But they weren't perfect to me. How could they be? How could they be? We can be free from our circumstances. How cool is that? We can be free even from ourselves. You see, if this morning you think to yourself, hey, I'm stuffed. You always will be. But today the God of the universe invites you to think differently, invites you to discover something that's, that, that's just totally other, totally of him, that he can do in your life, in our day. Invites you to say of certain things, I'm no longer going to accept that truth because it's actually a lie. If you want to bid for freedom this morning, If there's something that even as I'm speaking, the Spirit of God has been resting on your heart, if you want to go, hey, it's time to be free, it's time to think differently, I invite you to stand just now where you are. So for those that God's been speaking to, and you know what it is, I invite you to stand just now. Spirit of God, we invite you to come and minister to us. If you're not standing, I just want you to be conscious of those around you that have stood. I want you to join me in praying for those that are standing. Spirit of God, I'm asking you, inviting you to come, breathe through this place. And I'm asking you to show each person that's standing right now where they need to think differently, where they need to change their thinking. They've thought in one way, 
And it's time for that thought to be crushed and a truth instead of a lie to be put in its place. I'm not useless. I can do all things through Christ. I'm not unloved. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. And I want you as you're standing, if you know what it is that you've bought into, that agreement that you've made, that you've said deep in your heart, you mightn't dare speak it out loud, but deep in your heart you've said to yourselves, hey, I, I know that's true. And this morning it's being exposed as a lie. I invite you just to confess, I'm sorry, Father God, that I have believed something that isn't true. If you can speak that out this morning, it's an incredibly powerful thing. I'm sorry that I've accepted as truth something that isn't. Jesus, Jesus. I'm asking for the rest of you just to pray under your breath. Let's make a little bit of noise and then people can speak things out. It doesn't really matter. Nobody's listening. Nobody cares. We're all in a pickle and God's sorting all of us out. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, everybody else who's sitting down, just pray out loud a little bit to help the people around you. Pray for them. Ask God's blessing on them. Ask God to release them this morning. Jesus. Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. 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 And we thank you, Lord God, that as we confess our sin, as we confess things we've accepted as truth, you forgive us, and then your word says you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you cleanse our hearts, our lives, and our minds? And would you give each person that's standing a new heart this morning by your Holy Spirit? Come, Holy Spirit. Give people a new heart even as they stand. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I'm asking now that you just gather around those people that are standing and pray just simply for them. And God would give them a fresh heart. God would give them a fresh blessing. God would release his spirit upon them. That the stony hearts would melt into hearts of flesh that discover the goodness of God this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God.